This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good morning, everybody. It is Tuesday morning, and I am Glenn the Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I am Christy Landwehr in Aurora, Colorado, and you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for this Tuesday, August 18th, 2020, and we're at episode 2499. This episode is brought to you by the Certified Horsemanship Association. Good morning, horse world. Houston, we have a problem. Ability equals skill plus knowledge. Feeling about this. Here's a safety tip for you from the Certified Horsemanship Association. Missed it by that much. How can I change this to make it better the next time? How do I get? Yeah. Time for Training Tuesday on Horses in the Morning with the Certified Horsemanship Association. So, Glenn, I was kind of cracking up. Episode 2499, it's like my life. I am always right before the decade changes. So, I graduated from high school in 1989. I got married in not only a change of decade, but a change of century in 1999. <laughs> so, yes, we did party like it was 1999. Haha, <laughs> <laughs> we did. So, that always seems to be they happening. Wrote a song so, about I thought you. it was. <laughs> I know they did. I believe was it Prince? I think. Yeah, I think. So it anyway, was. so twenty four ninety nine. I cracked up when I read that out loud. So I had to share. You're always a day early. That's it. I it's- am, and a dollar <laughs> short. Well, you know, Dang we're it. so excited. Tomorrow's our twenty five hundredth episode. Uh, That's awesome. And you know, I uh, got an email yesterday from the leading podcast newsletter in the world. And apparently they had caught wind. I don't know. Somebody must have told them because they're going to they're gonna feature us tomorrow on their uh, newsletter. So nice. they were asking for pictures and things. Well, we figure there's, and I've asked around to a bunch of the old timers in the podcast world, of which apparently I'm one of them. Um, they, uh, we, can, we only can think of four to five daily podcasts that have lasted this long and are still going. So I think we're one of only five in the world that have gone this long and consistently, you know, not, you know, we've never missed. Right. So, uh, you know, a lot of them, there was one, John Lee Dumas does one and entrepreneurs on fire. He was all gung ho for seven days a week for a long time. And then he, he, even in the last couple of years, going back to twice a week. So, uh, I, I, we're beating John Lee Dumas right now and he's kind of a big wig in the podcasting world. Yeah. So, yeah. So we're, I, I, I need to drop him a note and say, and stick my tongue out at him or something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, we're very proud of that. It's been a lot of hard work. Thank you so much too. You've been, I think we figured out yesterday, Jamie and I were talking about it. You've been on since she had her kid and he's seven. Oh, wow. So you've been on seven years. Um, So congratulations, and thank you so much for for being such a big part. All the Tuesdays and Thursday hosts are such a big part of making Horses in the Morning what it is today after all these years. And it makes it truly unique. I don't know of another show either 
that has the kind of setup we do. Um, and, and it was kind of revolutionary when Jamie went back to three days a week. It was like, what do we do? You know, and uh-huh. we got this idea of having the once a month episodes and just bringing in a different audience and some different content. And, you know, that had never done, been done before in a show, on a single show. So we broke a lot of records and a lot of ground here. That's right. And a lot of, you know, rules probably too along the way, Glenn. That doesn't there were surprise no me either. There are no <laughs> rules in podcasting. That's the first thing <laughs> I say go. in my keynote That's speeches nice. is there are no rules. We're making it up as we go because there are no rules. Now, what I'm afraid of is as it gets bigger and the bigger money gets into it, the Spotify's and everybody in the world, they're kind of making rules. And I don't like that because we were no. kind of the indie break the rules of radio. We we That's broke right. the radio rules. So I don't know. There's always going to be a group of us old timers who are going to keep breaking rules. So Good. Well, you need to have some <laughs> yes. renegades. You need to have that. So I, I love this part of my job. I think I told you, you know, I'm a broadcast news major. So the fact that I actually get to do broadcast news once a month still is good. And when you went to school, it was radio. It was radio and TV. Yeah, radio and TV were the only two things we had to do. Yeah, so I worked for a radio station and a TV station, you know, during school as an intern. Yeah. Did you ever picture that radio would take second fiddle to something like podcasting? No, isn't that wild? Not even a little bit. Now it's just music in the car kind of thing. And even that, they're doing Siri and other stuff, right? Radio stations. I mean, they're still there, though. They still, they redefine themselves. They still exist. But it's well, very interesting how things change. Part of what they've done is they've put their shows out also as podcasts. And, and Correct. you know, like all the international syndicated shows, the Rush Limbaugh's and the Bob and Sherry's and all of those, uh, have put it out as a podcast. And that's how I listen to them. You know, I, Bob and Sherry's still my favorite show. That's what, kind of what this show was designed after 10 years ago. And I still listen to it every day, but I listen to it in podcast form. The difference between this and radio is they do four-hour morning drive every morning, their morning drive show. They do four hours. After you cut out all the commercials and put it out as a podcast, it's an hour and 30 minutes. So that's how much fluff and traffic and weather (laughs) and commercials are in a four-hour morning drive show that it whittles it down to an hour and a half. Wow, which is what this one is. That's right, but we we don't start out at four hours. (laughs) No, we are what we are. That's right. So there's been a lot of changes. It's been a lot of fun, and it's been fun to do with uh, you all these years. So thank you. Appreciate that. But on this episode, we're going to look at different generations of the horse world with Patty Colbert, right? Is that how you say it? Uh, Colbert. Colbert. See, I was going French because of Hebert. Yeah, go all ooh la la. Yeah, that's That's right. right. She's the creator of the Extreme Mustang Makeover. And I looked. She's first came on our network on episode 29 of Stable Scoop, which is our first show, back in 2009. That's awesome. So, and then we also have Julie Broadway, who's been coming on our shows forever. She's the president and CEO of the American Horse Council, and she's going to join us to speak about some of the regulatory items coming up in the horse world. She's in charge of all that stuff, fighting with the politicians in D.C. So we're going to have a chat about that as well. But before we get on to serious business, I noticed that you guys did some whitewater rafting out there in Colorado, where you live. You have a perfect state for having two boys that like outdoor stuff. We had a lot of fun. We went over to Buena Vista and uh, did the Brown Canyon, it's called. And rapids range from level zero, I guess it would be, if you're just on smooth water, all the way up to six, which is Niagara Falls, which you would be <laughs> not so smart to do. And people have done it in barrels before, yeah. yes. Yeah, so it worked um, out too well. <laughs> correct. And we were a three. We were rafting mainly threes, which was super fun. And, and then sometimes... Some bumps. You still have some bumps. Oh, yeah. Threes, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They, they made us wear a helmet, safety first. So that was good, just in case you fall in and hit a rock with your head. How many so, fell in? 
Um, there was one lady, we had a little pod of four boats in our rafting company, but because of COVID, we had our raft all to ourselves. That's just kind our of a guide. nice thing that's happened with that tours was, and I things, was really spoiled. Yeah. We were very spoiled. Yes. So one lady, there was a group of um, six ladies in the boat in front of us and one of the ladies fell in, but her guide, you know, muscled her back in. So she was fine. But yeah. She didn't go funny. downstream without the boat. Nope. She oh. grabbed onto the boat just like she was supposed to. But then, you know, it's hard for us to do a pull-up as ladies. So she had a hard time getting back in. So he just grabbed her life vest it's and It's hard. The water's in. flowing. The raft's moving. There's <laughs> a lot going on. Yeah, exactly. yeah it's a lot going on. You're, You're panicking. Like, oh, my God. Like, You're kind of, of still at a rapid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah I mean, funny. so the kids had fun? Oh, we had a great time. We got an 8 by 10 It's already up on the wall. And it's actually the screenshot on my uh, computer when I first turn it on every day because it cracks me up. The looks on our faces. It's so much fun. My nephew's in the Air Force. Speaking about places to that to get stationed that you have a lot to do, uh, he was begging to get stationed in Alaska. Well, they have a big Air Force base in Anchorage, so he finally got stationed in Alaska last year, and he's been hiking every mountain in Alaska. It's posting pictures wow. of the most beautiful scenery you've ever seen. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, he finally hit one the other day. He said, I got 2,000 feet from the top, and I couldn't do it anymore because it was too high. It was too steep. Yeah. He had to bail. But he said his partner went up, but he didn't. Uh, uh, you know, I don't blame him. I was looking at the pictures no. and getting woozy. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. Yeah, so you have a beautiful state for that. I do admire you that. It is fun, for sure. And it's... um. It's neat because when we were over there, we got to see our good friend, Julie Goodnight, because she only li- lived about 15 minutes from where we were rafting. Oh, so you we really went over were in the canyons then. She lives over way in the yeah. canyons. Yeah. So we were able to go see her, and my son just turned 16, so he drove us over there. Um, so he On had those to drive. mountain roads, you let him drive? Yeah, two and a half hours. That was worse than the, the rapids. <laughs> yeah, in the morning when he stills kind of sleepy. Oh, good. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> so, and I sat in the back seat. And I kept saying, can I roll down my window, please? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet you did. <laughs> you know, there's one thing learning in the parking lot to Walmart. It's another thing to learn while you're driving in the mountains of the Rockies. Uh-huh. We had to cross a couple of ranges. We had to cross uh, a couple of passes. Yeah, he, he did pretty good. He if really anybody did. hasn't ever driven out there uh, up into the mountains there in the Rockies, it is hairy. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's a little intense. Uh, the people that, you know, of course, live up there are like, oh, my gosh, these flatlanders yeah. come up here. Drake may be crazy. They rush around you. And you're like, oh, boy. Anyway, let's talk business. Uh, before okay. we get to our first guest, do you have some certifications coming up for the CHA? We do. So just to let everybody know, we are back in business for those states that um, their CDC rules are allowing us to meet with 10 or less, following all the social distancing practices and things. So if you get on our website at CHA.horse, you will see them. We have some equine facility manager ones left here this fall and also some EWI, which is our English Western instructor ones. And then they're already getting um, put up there for, of course, next year for the spring and the summer. So we're excited about those. Um, We have a big virtual conference coming up um, October 30th for the full day. And Patty, who's on today, and also Julie, who's on today, will also be doing a little bit with that, too. So we're excited about that. And for anybody listening that you guys have a company, let's say you have a company where you're selling Pampered Chef, right? Or you're doing something like that and you want to get your information out in front of our audience of uh, horse enthusiasts and riding instructors and barn managers where you can donate an auction item to our silent auction and you'll reach over... 
We have right now 17,000 that are paying attention to our social media and things, and they've all been vetted. They're definitely all equine professionals. So it would be super fun to have your unique and fun products, and then we will help you market your own company when you donate that product. So just go on CHA.horse, go to our international conference page, scroll down to where it says donate an auction item today, and you can fill out the Google form and We'll add you to that online silent auction. I got to remember to do that. I could donate some advertising. So. I would love it. Yeah, please, okay. please. I, I, I have nothing else to donate, right? I mean, yeah, it's kind of <laughs> tough. We don't have products. All right, good. I did want to mention if you are planning on going to one of those uh, CHA conferences and you're an auditor, we have masks finally. So if you go to the auditor room on Facebook, you're going to see right at the top of the page, HRN Auditor Face Mask. It actually says on the face mask has our logo with the cute little horse and the HRN, and then it says official HRN Auditor. So you can have your own. It comes in a multitude of colors, and they're only 14 bucks. So you can go on and uh, order your official HRN Auditor Mask today. So we're offering them out exclusively to the auditors to start, and eventually we'll have some masks for uh, everybody with the HRN with the cute logo. So that'll be I want to host one. Uh, I just got the artwork back, and all the hosts are going to get one that says official HRN host on it. Oh, so you'll be getting happy. I'll have you pick out your color, and you're going to get one. That's nice, Glenn. Thanks. You're welcome. So let's get to our first guest, right? Yes, please. So, So go ahead. I will introduce her. This is Patty Colbert. She has had 50-year career in the horse industry. She started off giving riding lessons in her 20s. She's worked for the American Quarter Horse Association. And now she also has been the creator of the Extreme Mustang Makeover events that Glenn mentioned earlier. She has seen a lot in her journey. We're excited to have her on. She uh, is going to do a keynote at one of our virtual conference meetings on the different generations. So Zers, Millennials, Xers. Boomers and the great. Hi, Patty. Was just finishing up introducing you. Glenn and I say hello. Hey, hi. Hi, Patty. Hey, Glenn. So, Patty, are you talking directly into your phone, not on a Bluetooth? I can do whatever. Yes, right now I have you on speaker, but I can take you off and talk. That would be great. I think the sound would be better. Okay, let me switch to this right here. Yeah, that's better. Thank you. Appreciate okay. that. You bet. Hey, Patty, bet. I was looking it up today before I let Christy get started here. I was looking it up. You, We're hitting our 2500th episode of this show tomorrow. Um, oh, my God. It's one of the longest running podcasts in the world. And I looked it up. You were first on one of our shows in the Horse Radio Network back in 2009. So, and, and you've been on a number of times since then. So you're one, you're one of our old-timer guests. <laughs> <laughs> You were the 29th episode, Patty. Isn't yeah. that cool? And they're going to be on 2,500 tomorrow. So That's amazing. So That is just amazing. The fact that we both well, last this long. <laughs> so. Yeah, talk about old timers. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> the trio. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. I still yeah, have one yeah. more year of my 40s. One I think more we're year. both a little older than, than you know who over here. Uh, I'm so. in a different generation yeah. than you people. Just saying. <laughs> She's always been a punk. You know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> well, Patty, explain to everybody uh, where you live, because we didn't introduce you in your bio, where you live, where you are, and what's going on in your neck of the woods right now. Um, I live in Georgetown, Texas, which is just north of Austin. 
Um, it's hotter than Hades. Um, we, um, we live in the country. Everything's kind of burnt up, which we're used to in August. It's amazing. We, um, we've been fortunate here in Texas that, uh, legislatively we were strong enough when the COVID all hit that we had some strong, um, representatives there at at the Capitol, uh, with strong connections to the governor. So our horse industry was allowed to continue to compete in a careful fashion. Um, but we've been still been pretty active here. The, um, the shows are going on. They're strong. Um, those that are in, um, governmental health facilities, like we all do the County, uh, facilities and barns and arenas. You, you have to wear your mask when you're not on your horse, uh, when you're inside the facilities. Um, but once you're on your horse, then you, you don't have to wear your mask. So the turnout has been tremendous. I think people are looking for activity, looking for, you know, our outdoor and uh, earthly connection with our horses. So things are hopping right now. I'm parked in a Walmart parking lot because I'm driving to go ride my horse and work on cattle this morning and so this worked out perfectly how fun so explain to everybody a little bit um because you've had such a journey and i mentioned of course aqha and i mentioned you know the stuff that you did for the mustang heritage foundation and the extreme mustang events but out of your entire journey do you have like a highlight reel? Do you have, you know, a couple of things that you're like, wow, that was a day that I remember in slow-mo. That is a day that I will never forget. Anything like that you'd like to share? A couple hundred of them, maybe. Uh-huh. But, um, uh-huh. No, I think what I want to share with your listeners is that I identify with them because in the very, very beginning, um, you know, I, I listened to a lot of instructors and then kind of regurgitated what I learned and, and started with kids and ponies, um, in the, in the hunter world. And so I think that's why Christy, I've always identified with your association, uh, because I was one and, um, all the things that then led from that, um, really have ties back to your ability to try to understand what your customer wants and what your horse needs. And, um, it's really brought me through, but I will tell you the funniest one, I think, or one of the funniest ones was at our first extreme Mustang makeover that we produced. Um, it, we allowed those people that, that was back in the day when a lot of the mainstream clinicians were, you know, showing that they, their horses were really broke and, you know, they would crack whips or use leaf blowers or loud noise. So we allowed as part of the freestyle, you know, the ability to do different things like that. The the mounted shooting was coming on strong. So we had a session for the, um, the mounted shooters to practice later in the evening while everybody else was gone. So it wouldn't scare the other horses. So they were in there popping their guns and, and this one guy from, uh, Tennessee rode up to me. I was sitting on the table at the end gate, just kind of, you know, sitting there. And he rode up to me and he said, ma'am, are you checking loads? And I was like, no, <laughs> what does that mean? He said, well, ma'am, you better, 
you better check them bullets because, you know, unless they got an X on the top of that bullet, you don't know whether they're shooting, shooting blanks or not. And you might kill one of them spectators. And I was like, oh, my God, what in the hell have I got myself into? And so um, that was probably an awareness that, you know, you better uh, you better watch what you're doing sometimes. Fortunately, we didn't kill anybody. Um, but but the makeovers were a very fun part of my life because we were trying to be innovative and, and embrace, you know, anyone and everyone that had a connection with a horse so we could get more of those wild horses adopted. But that was a fun part. Patty, you're iconic. You're iconic in your way to be creative. Oh, no, you definitely are. And so um, I just love generational talks, as you know. I think that that's just so fun. And ever since I heard you do one of your generational talks, I've now ripped you off and incorporated a lot of what you talk about in my talks. And it's because it's just so much fun to talk about the generation. So I want to kind of dive in. Um, Horses in the morning, our listeners right now are everything from baby's ears to older Zers, to millennials, to Xers, to boomers, to the greatest generation. I mean, Glenn's got them all. So we're going to be able to chat with them all today on this show. So I want to just dive right in. How do you compare the horse industry in the 1980s to what's happening now? Well, um, I think, you know, first and foremost, economically, the ups and downs, we we tend to have to ride that in the industry. Um Oil and gas, you know, has a lot to do on the upper echelons of purchases and um, of animals and and the ability to compete at different levels. But um, the 80s, you know, we had a more secure situation because we had a bigger base of of boomers. Those of us, I'm a boomer, um, you know, we were we kind of were built with Roy and Dale in our head because it was what we saw every day you know, every morning almost, or at least on Saturday mornings during our dream times. Um, that was, that was, you know, sunk into the crevices of our brain, you know, good guy, bad guy, all that stuff. Um, to this day, when I step out of my truck with my spurs on, I feel like I'm the sheriff, you know, I mean, I just get that <laughs> feeling. And so, um, so we were able to market that without a lot of thought process. And the horse was a real tool for us to be able to accomplish our dreams. And then as, as those generations changed and as the media found more excitement in space and, and, um, and the kind of all the X things going on and the creativity that technology brought to, you know, our dream world, um, it, it evolved. And in my opinion, one of the big evolutions for those of us that had even were born into families that had a connection to horses, which, of course, all of you remember and know that that is the number one entree into the into horse deal is because your family or friends were involved with horses. But um, I think there was a major change when the brilliance of Steven Spielberg uh, created the movie Spirit, and that's where then the horse kind of started talking to us. Um, we started to feel uh, the emotions of the animal and and that movement, which brought those Gen X and Ys and even our Gen Zs right now into caring, a, a deeper caring 
for what the animal was uh, perceiving and feeling um, led to a real strength and development in in a lot of areas in the horse industry, particularly in the therapies and the mental health therapies and, and that horse being reflective, which then evolved also into the training and the, again, our, our uh, clinicians or instructors, you know, now I, I always felt like when, um, cause I ran a recreational facility while I was doing all this crazy stuff and kept 25, 30 geldings and we rode the public is that I learned to let that person interface with that horse before I put him in the saddle or her. I let him brush and touch and uh, talk to that horse before we then put them in, adjusted their stirrups and took them on a trail ride. So I think that's kind of the major, the major part and piece is, um, is that we we have to make those horses available because as all of our research told us, it, 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 we all want to think it's money that um, keeps people from the horse business. But let me tell you, I got a 12-year-old granddaughter right now that's in a volleyball club, and it ain't cheap, you know. Yeah. I think any time that your people in your life young people or golfers or whatever, there's a real financial commitment to whatever you're doing. If you want to do it at a particular level, I'm wandering, I apologize, but um, I I do feel like the changes are impacting our generations and that therefore uh, the people that deliver our services or consume our services are really, are really greatly impacted uh by what's going on and um that's marketing that's marketing 101 you know yes it is your audience know your audience and 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 know what your audience wants well and the media consumption is so huge like for me growing up as an exer it was all about the black stallion it was all about wanting to be alex it was all about wanting to ride on the beach with my hands in the air it was all about Mm -hmm. being on a deserted island with nobody else around but me and my horse i mean that was cool and then i'll be honest with you i saw spirit and as an exer and maybe it's because i now know too much about the horse industry i was like disney the stallion is not in charge. The mayor is. What are you doing? <laughs> so I had that moment. But other than that, I thought spirit was good. <laughs> yes, we are. Yes, we are. <laughs> right, Glenn? The mayors are in charge, right? Uh, that's the way it's been on this shows for the last 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> You're surrounded by I an have alpha mayor. 30 female co-hosts, Patty. So oh, Jesus. I know. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly my reaction right there. Yep. Yeah. You are we swimming in it. Yeah. <laughs> he has good, well, good skills. Good skills. <laughs> yeah, I just shut up and listen. That's the that's what You're you smart. learn. Yeah. I've been married for no. thirty two years too, so I learned that uh I learned it before I started this. So Yeah, well you need a government subsidy for that. <laughs> <laughs> I agree, Fatty. I agree. (laughs) Can you put in a good word for me for that guy? I will. Okay, good. I will. (laughs) So what? I do want to go back to you know what, Christy. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but but what we really learned with um, and and Julie, I know is going to be on your your next guest, and and um, there with the American Horse Council when we when we created um, 
the uh, time to ride event, yes. not events, time to ride effort, which which we really tried to stimulate, kind of like what the government's doing now. We tried to throw some money at those uh, businesses, those those riding uh, establishments that uh, will welcome the entry level folks. Those 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 gen gen well Gen X moms right now is your focus. That mom that's forty to fifty five. That's got those, you know, adolescent daughters, particularly. And uh, Glenn, Glenn, no bashing here, no male bashing. <laughs> but the 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 target market is is female, um, and then a female that has a younger female daughter is even a double dip on your marketing dollar. So you get a little more traction through that. But but what we learned in all that research was sense of purpose, and you know that's a big you know, kind of unicorn kind of thinking deal, but it is key to getting these people to stick. And I think that's what we're talking about, Christy, is what happens to you or your client uh, when you connect with a horse? What sense of purpose does it deliver uh, to, to your customer, to your audience? And I think to really enhance that now and have that feeling of, oh, whatever the different feelings we have of, of strength, of leadership, of power, of, of connection, of, of caring for the, for the animal, all those feelings that, that we get need to be played upon and not just, you know, heels down, you know, head up, you know, do this, clean the foot out. You know, we need to give time for this evolution of feeling to happen so that the connection then comes through that sense of purpose. And um, it took me a while to understand that. And now, I mean, I, uh, I drink that Kool-Aid daily um, that I'm getting to ride. You know, I'm getting all those strong feelings. I agree. I just taught a writing lesson last night. I just teach kind of one a day right now, you know, just to get me off this computer and outside actually is why I always mm-hmm. have that. And I had a young lady and after we're done, we take uh, this, my school horse, his name is Socks. And I said, okay, take him over to all the purple flowers. Then we have a conversation about alfalfa. And I swear that that is those kids and adults most favorite time of the lesson is just hanging out with the horse as it eats the purple flowers on the alfalfa bushes around my property. And they just pet them and I'll walk away and I'll start doing other stuff and just let them have a moment, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. I agree. Encourage your uh, your members and and your listeners to take to take that time, you know, to 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 make that connection. Because I think that's what we're all wanting in this world right now, especially because we're missing it. Is is those times of connection, you know? Do you find the time to ride? Do you think it's worked to the level that you had hoped? You know, Glenn, I'm not as informed as I should be on that. Um, I, I think it had, it it was growing when I retired, you know, I had to do like three years of counseling to be able to say the word retire. But, um, (laughs) when I, when I left there, uh, I think that things were, were moving right along. I'm not familiar right now with what the numbers are. I mean, that would be a good question for Julie along with her her legislative knowledge on, on what's happening there. And, um, because we had, you know, we had, in essence, um, 
facilitated the contact of, oh gosh, I think we did 60, 75,000 new riders into that. Uh, and, and, and CHA was a big part of all that into that connection. And then, but to translate then to move the needle on, you know, whether more tech or pharmaceutical or, um, you know, we knew more lessons were being given because we had testimonies from, from those lesson givers, but, but to move the needle in the, um, in the areas of corporate support so that they could then, um, really validate their investment. Um, we, we were just beginning all of that. And so I, uh, and then, and then I know things, you know, have just gotten tight. So I'm not sure. I just, I know it's a good concept. I, I know it works. Um, it just takes money and, um, and time. you know, it's just like, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. just like what's going on in the, in the airlines right now, you know, the government provided a massive subsidy for them. And now, they're coming back around to probably ask for more and, you know, some knee jerk might be, well, why, why should we give them more money? Well, you lose the whole investment that you made on the first round if you don't at least try to keep that moving forward. So I'll be, I'll be listening to see what Julie says. Oh, no. All right. I, well, I wanted to talk to you about something else. One thing that you have done uh, so successfully over the years is brought a whole new generation to the idea that they could own a Mustang successfully. And mm -hmm. really, I know we still have a Mustang issue. We still have a lot of them in pens. But I think without you over the years, we would have a lot more in pens. Uh, so thank you for, for bringing the Mustang mainstream. I mean, my co-hosts Monday, Wednesdays, Friday, Jamie owns several of them now that she got out of the prisons in Nevada. And so many of our listeners have gotten Mustangs and just got Mustangs, actually, during COVID. So, I, right. I, you know, I think that comes back to the extreme Mustang makeovers. Mary Kitzmiller is one of our hosts, you know, and she, of course, every Mustang makeover there is, she's got to have a Mustang in it. So, right. uh, uh, you know, and then most of them move on, except I think in Mary's case, she keeps all of them. I don't know how many horses she has at that farm. <laughs> but, um, but you have done a wonderful job. Are you happy with... Where it's come, I know you'd like to see it further and more and more people having Mustangs, but are you happy with what you've accomplished with the Mustangs over the years? Speaking yeah, of very, generations. Um, <laughs> yeah. 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 That was, uh, 07 was the first, was, I went to work, well, yeah, 07 was the first one. Um, I'm thrilled with it. I, I think that it's, you know, it's a good product that just needed, needed some marketing and got, has the best horse story in the universe you know um so it's an easy sell when something comes along with a story and and so yeah i'm really proud of it i um i'm proud of the people that all of us that helped um you know put it together you guys and your your help with back way back then when i would be on the show and and talking about people picking up horses and encourage them you know anybody that had the facility and the experience to be able to um you know to take one on uh to do that and then i think the fun that we injected into the horse industry with the um you know with the the the, the competition and the creativity that we did that and seeing that transcend into the big thoroughbred makeover that they do and all these other makeovers that people do at a variety of these equine expos and 
independently and then the the whole adoptive um community uh you know the 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 equine rescue organizations the rehoming i think all of that could took a little bit from that momentum that we created and uh, you know it's like my mom always used to tell me you know show it and sell it or hide it and keep it and um <laughs> I gotta, remember that. Can, I gotta remember that's that. Good. Yeah, that's, I gotta remember that. Yeah, I like that. Well, it's the truth. And if you if you can create a platform and that platform not only helped those horses, but God almighty people, I mean, Mary is a perfect example. Um, you know, she's a tremendous talent. And where in a horse show, unless you're like maybe at some finals or some world show, where can you perform in front of a couple thousand people? Yeah, easily. Right. You know, mm-hmm. um, or a sellout at the Will Rogers in front of seven thousand people. Um, you know, so it gave them a gave them a place to uh, to kind of put their name out there and and grow their businesses. So yeah, I'm real proud of it. Real proud of it. Well, there's a lot of Mustangs that are a lot happier now, thanks to you. So yeah. we appreciate it. <laughs> well, I loved it. Are y'all watching Yellowstone? Did you? Yeah, see, it's a good uh, show. The other night? where he turned where there was a horse that they couldn't ride, you know, one of the ranch horses and, um, and the, you know, the boss says, get rid of it. And, and this is the tough, you know, ranch manager. And he drives out and turns him loose in the prior mountain range, you know, of, which is indicates that a, this big tough cowboy cared about a horse that had bucked him off several times <laughs> And then turning back out into the wild, you know, which <laughs> unfortunately it was a gelding. If it had been a stallion, it might have been, you know, was how all of those herd management areas improved by people dumping whatever horse out there in the deal. But it's still alive and well, you know, in the minds of, of, of all of us that, that that wildness, that wild, you know, horse and that wild country is part of our psyche, you know. It is. And I know, Patty, you're going to be talking about the different generations as our keynoter when we do our virtual conference on uh, Friday, October 30th. So give us some of the highlights, if you can, of what you feel the different generations have provided to the equine industry. Well, I think we talked a lot about it this morning. You know, um, uh, there's a couple of things that I do want to speak to your audience specifically about, which I learned was, you know, that that the boomer market when you when you when you're a when you're a 25 year old lesson giver and you're you know you're looking at growing your business or say you're 35 years old and you you've got lesson horses and you're you're trying to grow your business you know the boomers you can kind of think of us cuz I'm I'm going to be 70 next year of you know oh gosh you know old people I don't you know but but um, some really smart people taught me never disvalue an existing market. You know, never, never, never blow off any market that is actively, still actively pursuing education and involvement. So, uh, and I've got some examples of that that I want to share with your audience on um on the value of of what still is left in that boomer market and where they're where they're buying, 
um, I want to talk to your gang um, really about this uh, Gen Z, the the five to twenty four year olds, which are target another target market for your um, members. To of course those kids that you're talking about, and I love the purple flower story. But they what their needs are. Their their needs are different, and and particularly right now, what what their what opportunities we have with these children and their families that are challenged with not being able to go to school. So I think there's some real intrigue there on how you can position yourself uh, to be an outlet. You know, we always wanted to invade the schools and try to figure out how we could provide, um, horse experiences through our educational systems. And I think we may have some doors opening that could be really advantageous to the growth of our industry right now. So, um, you know, those are just some of the things that I want to touch on, um, because it's fun because I, I do it, like any other marketer, it, it's really good when you can zero in on who your audience is. And your audiences have always been easy for me to talk to because I get them, you know, and I I, I, um, I respect it. And I respect how hard and labor intensive it is. So to have fun with that um, and to laugh at ourselves and to um, kind of think about new ideas and new ways to think is what I like to do. So I'll um I'll give him a big dose of that. Yes, I'm really glad you're not giving it all away today because, you know, people that get on there, then they'll have a chance to really hear it in more depth, which I appreciate as well. But, and anybody listening, anybody listening on Horse Radio Network, you can do our virtual conference at the CHA member rate. So just remember to go ahead and do that and put HRN in the coupon code and you can do that. So That'll be no problem at all. And no, and, no um, airlines and hotel bills this year. So that's correct. Yeah. There will be none of that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And it'll, it'll be yeah. fun. We're going to do a bunch of videos um, that our uh, instructors are producing ahead of time. And then they'll be on after we show the video to answer Q&A. So we're still going to have horses. You know, our conference is known throughout the industry as being very hands-on. You get to ride the school horses, right, that are provided by the university, the college, the Jude Ranch, wherever we happen to be having our event. You're not going to get to ride, but you do get to ride your chair. I'm sure we'll do a little bit of exercises. You know, we always have to sit on our hands, feel our seat bones, all those crazy things we do. Um, but we'll at least get to see the horses. So we're really happy about those that are willing to do the video for us as well. Those are going to work out That's really good. good. That's good. Yes. Yeah, we're getting a real lesson with these uh, with the Democratic and Republican conventions. By God, we'll learn how to put something on by the time we listen to all that stuff. That's right, because they have the big bucks to do it a little bit better. Yeah, with all their AV equipment and everything else they have. That's right. Yeah. Well, yeah, and as long as I've got a glass of wine in front of me, it'll be entertaining. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you are our evening keynoter, so I did that. I know. I know. That's the way. That's the way most of my Zoom calls have been lately. You know, know, um, five o'clock in Texas starts a lot earlier, too, for uh, from what I hear. That's right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. (laughs) So, Patty, if folks want to reach you, let's say somebody wants to reach you to chat a little bit more or anything. Is there a way that they can find you? Do you still now that you're retired, have a Facebook presence or anything like that that you want to share? Hell no. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. You are done. That's yeah, the best line no, yet. I, virtual conference yeah. people, only way you're going to get yeah. to see her again. I love it. Well, no, I mean, I don't mind if somebody emails me. You know, that's that's archaic a little bit, but but uh, it's it's Patty with an I and L 
uh, like Larry, and then Colbert, C-O-L-B-E-R-T at gmail.com. And that's great. Shoot me an email if I can help in any way. I, I still love, you know, mentoring our young women and um, I'm still involved in a lot of different things. Um, but um, I, I, you know, anybody that I can help, uh, I, I'm more than open to do that. So shoot me an email and let me know what I can do for you. And, you know, I'm there. Well, awesome, Patty. Thank you so much for being on the show today. And we're very excited to have you on our virtual conference this fall. Well, Glenn and Christy, you're providing a tremendous service and have for so many years. And just know, just know how much we all appreciate it. I mean, please understand that, um, that, that you're really serving an industry that, you know, we all think we talk to each other, but to hear this on a larger market and a larger scale is, is imperative to our success. So thank you for what you're doing. Thanks, Patty. Appreciate that. Hey, we'll have you back in another 10 years, okay? <laughs> yeah, if I'm still kicking, what, what the hell generation will that be? Yeah, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> old. It'll be our old oh. generation. You and I will be in there I together. <laughs> all right. Thank you all so much. Hey, Patty, call. I'll see you in the rocking chair in the front porch, okay? We can hang Sounds out. Good, Glenn. All right. <laughs> all right. Take care. Bye. I love her. She knows more than most of us have forgotten. Over the years about marketing. You don't realize what a marketer she was. You forget what a marketer she was. You know, but when you hear her talk about marketing, she knows what she's talking about. It's the reason all those things became so successful. Is she understands marketing. You don't think it, you know, when I think about her, I I think about all the th- cool things she's done, but I don't think about her as a as an extreme business person, right? Uh, right. But that comes across in that conversation. Wow. Yes, big time. Oh, she knows her <laughs> marketing for sure. Yeah. But, you know, and but you forget about that because she's also so nice and just so laid back and, you know. Uh, her funniest lines, I mean, the one at the end there, hell no. Uh, but also about the three years of uh, therapy to get over retirement. Because so, I think. Oh, that's know, awesome. And then also I have written it down and I'm going to use it. Show it and sell it or hide it and keep it. I know. I thought that was great, too. I never heard I got that it. before. I never heard that. <laughs> Well, again, can you tell the listeners real quick before we call it while I'm getting Julie on here, uh, how they can do take part in the conference? Because it is true. They're not going to have to travel this year, so everybody can do it. Right. So everyone, you just go to CHA.horse, which is our brand new website, tool around on there. We have a lot of really fun things for you on there. But when you get there, um, go to International Conference tab at the top, and you'll scroll down and you'll see where to register. And it's only $95 for the full day. Um, that is the member rate that you can all get. And it's going to be eight hours of just amazing talk. Some are PowerPoints, some are videos, a lot of time for Q&A. We're going to have an award ceremony too, if you want to log back in and see all the fun with that. Um, for those that are CHA members, we'll also have an annual meeting. So it's going to be a really good time. And the schedule's already up. We already have all of our speakers lined up. Um, we're going to have Shauna Karish on, who does positive reinforcement. Oh, yeah. She has a show on the network. Equine yeah, Tracker 101. Network here. Yeah. yeah, and then Julie Goodnight will be on. She's our spokesperson and one of our master level instructors. And she'll be talking about simple and flying lead changes. We have Joanne Young on from Houghton College. She'll be talking about how to get your horse to do a half pass for those that are interested in the Western dressage and the dressage world. So Tara Reimer actually is coming on from uh, Canada. She lives in Manitoba. She'll be talking about the difference between turnbacks and rollbacks. So it's very specific and fun. Plus, we have a lot of business talks as well. So it should be a really, really good day. 
Very good. All right. Next up, who do we have? We have Julie Broadway. She has over 30 years of leadership experience for both for-profit and non-profit sectors. She's the current president and CEO of the American Horse Council and the foundation for them. And she's served on a variety of industries and boards throughout our industry. She's a lifelong horse enthusiast, ranging from recreational rider, breeder, and show competitor. She's a native of North Carolina. She and her husband reside in the D.C. area, and they also have corgis and morgans. One of Julie's dogs, Colby, has actually been to Westminster, which I'm sure we're going to be talking about when she gets on today. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. I didn't know she had show puppies. Yes. She's fancy. I'm just looking to see when she was first on. Good morning, Julie Broadway. Hi, Julie Broadway. Christy Landwehr and Glenn Hebert on. How are you? Good. So good to hear you today. Yeah. Hi, I had Julie. just finished introducing you and had mentioned about Colby being a champion at Westminster twice. Please explain that to us more. We're excited to hear. <laughs> Oh, that's a, it's a little old news, but we took him to Westminster when he was uh, just a, a young thing, and he did extremely well. He was uh, a best of opposite, which means that a female uh, dog won the, that class, and he was sort of reserved, if you will. And then we took him again a couple of years ago, uh, and he got an what's called an, uh, an award of merit. So we were, it was a lot of fun. If you've never been, I've never seen so much gold and purple in my entire life. So what was what is it corgi? He is. He's a Pembroke Welsh corgi. Gotcha. Okay. Cool. Was it, was it fun? I mean, was it fun to go and do that whole thing? Oh, it was. It was a blast, and I got to meet David Fry. You know, who's sort of the voice of Westminster, and um, they had um, what's his name, John Hanna. Um, the famous veterinarian yeah. from the Columbia Zoo was there, and he's lovely. Uh, and just got to meet some fascinating people and it turns out that the horse world and the dog world are really small so many people that i know from the horse world also have dogs that they show and breed and so i got to see lots of friends when i was there which oh, came cool. as a real surprise that's <laughs> that was cool, cool. <laughs> you know i i looked it up and uh, we just had patty on and patty's been come i looked the first time she had been on one of our shows was 2009 and then i looked and you were 10 episodes after her. Your first time on one of our shows was Stable Scoop, episode 35. And it was in April of 2009. And you were executive director of the Morgan Horse Association then. Yep. Yeah. Yep. We talked about Morgans. So that uh, so <laughs> Julie's been coming on a long time too, Christy. She's been here a while. Well, and now they're going to be 2,500 um, episodes tomorrow, Julie. Isn't that great? Oh, that's awesome. Yes. And to think that you guys were on the 29th and the 35th. I'm like, this is great. We have long in the tooth people on today. I'm telling you. Just basically all old people today on the show is what it comes down to. <laughs> no, old is just a, no, old is the definition. It's not who you are. That's right. No I, way. I do want to thank you. It's being it is kind of a celebratory week for us. Uh, Julie, anytime I've asked over the years, and no matter what, what position you've had, you've come on the shows, and I just appreciate that. So thank oh, you. Oh, so I'm much. happy to help. And I was thrilled when you did your Christmas thing this year that I convinced Carson Creasley. I twisted his arm. Oh, and said, hey, he and, was terrific. You know, it worked. I, it worked. I wish we did. Fun. We need to get him back. We didn't have much time because we had trouble connecting with him and stuff. But we need to get him back and spend more time with him. He was a hoot. <laughs> oh, he's super, super funny. Great. And he loves horses so much. He just will do anything. I mean, he's been on, I don't know how many talk shows. And he always takes the opportunity to plug his, you know, his breed and to talk about how important horses have been in his life. And I bump into him all the time and he's, 
he's one of those celebrities that never turns away a fan. You know, he's always happy to speak to you and find something. It doesn't make any difference how inconvenient it is for him. <laughs> well, I just wrote it down. We got to get him back because we really didn't have enough time to talk to him. He, he should be an hour interview, not 10 minutes. So <laughs> got to get him back. Well, and... And I was going to mention real quickly, Christy missed um, the webinar we did yesterday, but we had um, Ashley Avis and we had Kansas Carradine um, talk about putting horses uh, in front of the public. And they did a super job. And Kansas is this trick rider and does amazing things. She's fascinating. So it's Ashley, of course, but Ashley's a film producer uh, and she's in the process of remaking Black Beauty. So both of them are great people to interview, Glenn, if you need some folks. Yeah, I don't know about the... I might have to... Uh, the reaction to the storyline on the new Black Beauty was not well-received with my audience. Oh, really? Oh, mm. no. They don't like you messing with the old story. Um, oh, oh they're, are, they're about the classic. That's about what it is. Okay, yeah, they're gotcha. serious <laughs> fans of Black Beauty on this show. And when, they, when the storyline came out, it was like, ah, oh. so... I don't know. <laughs> oh, I might get I might get hung out to dry if I do that. Uh, <laughs> fair enough. Don't be changing the classics on them. Yeah. Julie, the fact that you are still alive after having worked in D.C. now for how many years? I came here in 2016, so I'm, I'm you know I'm, I'm pushing four years now. Yeah, you're still here. Presidential she hasn't jumped off too. a bridge yet. I'm so proud of you. So well now, done. I will. <laughs> I will say it. It is a very interesting environment to be in, for sure. Especially I mean, right now. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. Not, well, just in in general, it's it's very you know dynamic and fluid. But now it's just crazy. <laughs> Have you turned? You know how presidents turn gray after four years in the office? They start out with dark hair and then they're completely white by the time they're done. Have you done that? You're completely white hair now, and uh... not not wood. No, that hasn't happened. But Christy can tell you that when my predecessor Jay Hickey retired at his going away event, he stood up and held up a a box full of all of these lanyards and name tags that he had accumulated during his presidency for all the speaking engagements that he had done. Well, guess what? I got a big box like that started now, too. <laughs> I think that's awesome. I wish I had saved mine. I took one look at him and I went, okay, that is awesome. And then we remember we made him put him on his neck and they were like almost yep. touching his chin. All it right, was right. awesome. Let me uh, send, I just wrote down also to send Julie a, a Horse Radio Network mask. because uh, There you go. Yeah, all right. Oh, perfect. <laughs> that's right. So, Julie, tell us a little bit more, though, about AHC and your role. Like, who are members of American Horse Council? How do our current listeners even get involved and be a part of what you do? Okay. So, let's start at the beginning. You know, the American Horse Council is the united voice of the equine industry in Washington. What we do is every day we advocate for the social, economic, and legislative interest of the equine industry. Um our membership is composed of about 150 equine associations and organizations and about 200 equine small businesses. And then we have about 300 individual members, just people who own a horse and want to keep up with things that may affect them or affect the industry. And so the biggest challenge that I have in my job, Christy and Glenn, is to listen to those diverse voices because it ranges from thoroughbred racing over here to recreational trail riding to carriage operators to people who are doing polo i mean it, it's such a large massive diverse group that the biggest challenge 
I think as an industry is that we have to listen to all those diverse voices and then outline actions to help achieve our shared goals and objectives. And I emphasize the word shared because sometimes the industry is not together on a particular topic. And that means that the American Horse Council doesn't take a position. We remain neutral. We present both sides of the issue, but we don't advocate or do anything on that issue because we don't have consensus around it. And that makes really good sense. So what now, I know that you've been um, four years there. What have been some of the big legislative and regulatory things uh, that have gone on during your tenure and what are some of the current ones? Well, (laughs) boy, that's a mouthful there, Christy. Uh, on (laughs) On any given day, we are monitoring and tracking about 500 different pieces of legislation. Now, some of them may just be something in draft form that doesn't even have any co-sponsors on it. It's not really going to move. And some of them are things that have been on the books for years and years and years. So even long before I came to the American Horse Council, the Prevent All Soaring Tactics Act or the PAST Act has been on the books. And we keep trying to move that. And we've made more progress in recent years, but we still are over the, the goal line on that one. Um, That's just one example. You know, with the pandemic, our attention has turned to what we need to do to ensure that there's additional uh, resources for the equine industry and the associations that are in the industry. So when I come to the CHA conference, I'm going to talk to your members about uh, the CARES Act, which restricted nonprofits um, who were 501c6s from getting paycheck protection program assistance. Um, And so many of our equine or livestock associations are C6s that we've been working really closely with Farm Bureau and National Grange and other um, allies to try to move that along. So we're, we're hoping that when they come back in session, maybe we will see a new provision there that would open that up and, and help with that. Julie, that'll be so good because aren't most of the breed associations C6s? They are. And and in fact, the American Horse Council is a C6, so we didn't even qualify. Um, So it would be a welcome, a welcome relief. Um, We also were working on pandemic liability protection. That's something that's that's been sponsored by um, a couple of the members of the Senate, which would extend liability protections for COVID exposure to employers. Um, And so that's been a big deal, especially as we've come, the industry has come back and started competing and showing again. Um, So many show managers call us and say, you know, what's my liability here? Can I safely put on this show or am I going to get in trouble if someone contracts COVID while they're at my event? So that's another big one for us. Um, The other, I've got two other things I'm going to talk about um, on the top line, if you will, Christy, to your guys is I want them to know that we have, for a number of years now, been uh, working with the USDA officials to talk to them about um, the equine industry's contributions to the livestock sector. And unfortunately, their response to our request have not reflected those contributions. And so we are making a big push right now to have a meeting with Secretary Purdue to bring to his attention some things that we really think he needs to be helping us with, like uh, animal disease preparedness and response and the Equine Disease Communication Center 
and helping us with a CEM testing to get to a 90-day waiver instead of 60 days, which would be a big deal <laughs> for our competitors. Um, so just a number of topics that we want to get in front of USDA. And I think uh, based on my conversations with the state horse councils and others, your members will really benefit from hearing all about that and what we're trying to do there. I'm so glad that you're an advocate for us, for United <laughs> States, um, you know, the, the Department of Ag, because a lot of times the horses are kind of on the back burner with USDA. And the fact that, that you're exactly there right. to kind of, you know, make sure that we're being, our voice is being heard, I think is wonderful. Yeah. The last one that I'll, I'll just quickly mention, it may not have as big a bearing on CHA members, but, you know, the largest percentage of the equine industry are recreational trail riders. And we're really excited that they passed the Great um, American Outdoors Act, which is hopefully going to help us with some trails maintenance and, you know, the backlog that's out there. So that's the good news. But on the other side of the coin, we are really concerned, and we sent a letter to the Department of Interior because they are pushing the use of electronic bicycles, e-bikes, on trails. Um, And if you've ever been out riding on a trail with your horse, you don't want an e-bike with a no. little engine going 30 miles an hour to sneak up on you. <laughs> yeah, no. So, so we've, we've been on a campaign to try to better educate the folks at Department of Interior who oversee the trails programs to try to help us to ensure that if they want to put e-bikes out on trails, put them on trails that are dedicated for motorized vehicles. Do not put them over here on multi-use trails that are used by people who are riding horses or hiking and that kind of thing. <laughs> I agree. Glenn and I were talking earlier, too, about he's seen a lot about the um, outdoor recreational initiative that you just mentioned for the great outdoors on his hiking, um, things that he's a part of, and also on his mountain biking. So it's been talked about in a lot of different areas, which is great. Well, if anybody's been to the national parks, I mean, even down to the bathrooms, you know, they just have been putting off maintenance for years and years and years. And, it, you know, everything from the bathrooms on up needs help at the national parks right now. And this had enough money that they're going to be able to get some of that deferred maintenance done. Uh, yeah, it really did. And we've already started meetings with the uh, Forestry Service and the National Park Service to talk about how they're going to identify and prioritize where they're going to start. Um, you know, so there's, but there's a, there's a good chunk of money there for them to make a, a big dent, I think. I assume they're going to be starting at the most trafficked parks is what I would guess. Am, am I wrong? Yes. No, I think that's where they're going to start. They're probably also going to take a look at things that they need to maintain or rebuild um, that are also areas that bring in more revenues. So a great Mm. example of that is if you have a campground that doesn't have all the proper electrical or sewage amenities, they might start in places like that a little bit because as soon as they get those in place, then there's a revenue stream for them there, which helps. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So we were talking earlier, Julie, to Patty a little bit about Time to Ride, because, of course, she was a part of that at its initial stages. Can you give us a little update on that, too, since that falls under the umbrella of American Horse Council? Sure. So um, we were really, really excited. Last year, um, we uh, sort of reimagined that program a little bit. We had been doing the challenge for a couple of years, which was a way to encourage barns to open their doors bring in new people and compete for cash prizes. But what we were finding was that um, people were coming for that initial event and maybe petting a horse, but it didn't have any stickiness to it. They weren't staying and coming back for lessons. 
So we decided we needed to revamp the program last year. And what we did was create time to ride certified uh, facilities. So you apply to be a time to ride facility in exchange for going through the application process. We provide those facilities with a marketing toolkit and we help them connect with local schools and other um, types of programs to bring people in to take riding lessons. Um, we had targeted in 2019 to have maybe 30 facilities take a take advantage of it. We were so surprised and delighted, but we had 65 that applied, and we were just great. So our goal going into 2020 was to double that number. Uh, but of course, the pandemic came along, and we had to take a little hiatus. But now we're back, and we're going great guns, and the applications are rolling in. So we're really excited about that and really doing all we can to kind of help those folks that teach those writing lessons and have those facilities but may not have the marketing skills, <laughs> you know, to, to really promote their business. We're busy trying to help them grow their own business. and That helps our industry. And I know so many of our CHA members love that program. So I'm sure you're going to get some questions about that when you're at, on, on for our virtual conference because they just really have enjoyed being a part of that. Some of them, I think, have been a part of it every single year since its inception. So they're, yeah. they, they like it a lot. Well, um, and so, I'll also tell them that one new aspect to it, Christy, is that last year we had one application. You had to meet all the qualifications. This year we're going to do um, a gold, silver, and bronze so if you meet some qualifications, you could qualify at the bronze or the silver level. But if you could meet all the qualifications, you would be at the gold level. That's going to give a lot of facilities an opportunity to get in in some form or fashion uh, without having to go through as many hurdles like background checks and maybe all the things that the gold level requires. Yes, and I think that's good because, you know, not all facilities can do all the different things just based on resources and those types of things. So I, I love that that you're able to do that. So how do you think the equine industry has rebounded um, from everything going on right now? Do you think we've rebounded yet? Do you think that there's still more time? I, I'm a little hesitant to even use the word rebounded because my boys who are incoming freshmen and junior just started full-time virtual learning today. And let me just give you an idea of what that looks like. Kyle just came out here and gave me a look like, oh my gosh, mother, kill me now. He has three hours of physics in the morning and oh, three well, that would hours kill anybody of right American there. <laughs> government <laughs> in the afternoon. Oh, jeez. He's the got other the two kid of the worst has three classes hours ever of Spanish today. two in the morning <laughs> and three hours of human geography in the afternoon. I don't know about you guys, but God bless our children right now. It's a rough <laughs> road to hoe. I, I, I'm sitting here thinking, and I shouldn't say it out loud, but better them than me. Yeah, that's, that's what I was wow. thinking too. Intimidating. Wow. Especially three hours wow. of physics. We are going to create the most flexible um, group of young people in the world that are willing to do change and willing to be flexible because they're way more flexible than me. I'm already so irritated about so many things and they just flex and flow and they just look at me and they go, mom, it's fine. It's just what we do now. I mean, they're just, it amazes me. It amazes me. So how do you think the equine industry is doing during all of this, Julie? So I'm like you, I'm a, I'm a little hesitant to say that we've rebounded. I do think we're making some strides. Um, of course, I've seen barns reopen and lessons starting again. I've seen competitions coming back and that kind of thing. Everybody's being really smart about 
social distancing and wearing a mask and cleaning equipment. So that's been really good. Um, I do think that some of our rescues and some of our equine assisted activities and therapy facilities, which rely so heavily on fundraising and on volunteers, I think they are going to be a little slower to come back because that hasn't really happened. You know, people want to get back involved, but they're a little hesitant. So all the volunteers haven't returned and they certainly haven't been able to put on the fundraisers that they would normally put on. Um, but some of them have gotten very creative and done some really cool virtual fundraisers um, and, and managed to, you know, sort of uh, get back on their feet a little bit. But I'm like you, Christy, I'm, I'm not quite there yet, but I'm seeing glimmers of hope. Um, when we went through the previous recession, it took a little while before we saw the implications, the full implications on our industry. And I'm just keeping my fingers crossed that we've put enough COVID-19 resources out there like hay banks and vaccines and feed coupons that people who uh, lost their jobs or got furloughed um, have resources to be able to keep their horses at home instead of feeling that they have to surrender them. And that creates other downstream implications on the industry as far as dealing with horses that are in transition. And I think the hard thing too here, Julie, is that we don't we don't see the end yet. I mean, we don't know what the mm-hmm. end is yet. I mean, they're saying yep. vaccines, we don't know if they're going to work, you know, it's it's just tough because we don't know where the end is yet. We don't know where the end is yet economically or medically. Both of those, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah. I mean, that's what's tough. Now, when you and I talked, I had you on one of my uh, Facebook lives when this all first started. One of the things that we talked about was how we thought that uh, horse adoptions were going to be weighed down. And that's one thing we were proven wrong for, is that... Uh, it was totally. It and was, I'm thrilled I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, we were both totally wrong on that. And horse adoptions went through the roof. And we posted the other day in our auditor room, which are super fans, and about 30 of those people... Of our little group had had gotten COVID horses, so you know it, it's really cool to see that that happened because I do think that the longer this goes, that's going to change the other way, and hopefully those adoption centers will have gotten some out to take some new ones in. So, right, uh, I, I will admit to you that it it totally impressed me. We were concerned about what we what might happen with adoptions, but we, as you said, we saw the opposite. People's compassion. Um, really kicked in and the desire to, I'm home, I've got time, I want to help a dog or a cat or a horse. And it's just been great. I just hope it sticks. I've yeah, been that, fearful that's right. that when people go back to work that they're going to say, uh-oh, I can't keep doing this now. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, you know, we had more podcasts start in the last three months than in the last five years. New podcasts. And, you know, we know that 95% of those are going to go away once these people go back to work. You know, it's, they're just going to go away. And and I agree. That's one of my concerns with this whole horse thing and the dog thing, for that matter, is that I hope that we don't see that situation. And if we do, we'll see it in the next six months, you know, so we'll know. But, yeah. Yeah. So, Julie, I'm, 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 like you, I'm fearful when it gets cold and people go back to work and there's so much you got to break up the ice in the ice bucket, you know, when you go out yeah. in the cold to feed and everything that there's going to be some people who are be like, what was I thinking? <laughs> yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm hoping that isn't the case. Let's think positive. It's not going to be the case. All the horses are going to be fed and happy. That'd be great. And the horse husbands will all be pissed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
So Julie, I love this next question because it reminds me of it's what is your most um, interesting aspect of your job? And I was just telling uh, Glenn earlier, one of my most interesting aspects of my job is this radio show because most people don't know, but my master's degree is actually in broadcast news and this and the occasional, you know, TV appearance, which is very rare that I get to do are what I do. That's my degree. And there's a reason why we get a degree sometimes is because we're passionate about it. So I love this part of my job. Yes, that is a plug for you, Glenn. Keep me as a host thank, thank forever. You. I'll keep so, you around for So Julie, a while. What, what is your most interesting aspect of your job there at the American Horse Council? So uh, there are two things that really resonate for me, Christy. One is I love the diversity of the job. I mean, m- there are just so many different aspects to the work that we do. So my day is never dull. I mean, truly, I could be having a conversation yesterday about, you know, how we get into a congressional office to really talk to them about some challenges that we're facing and see what we can do for support of that. And then the next minute, I'm getting a phone call from someone saying, hey, um, Glenn, I'm working on a podcast, says this man to me this morning, and I'd like to use some of your content for this episode. How How would that work? You know, so it's just the variety and the diversity that that makes it so interesting and challenging, which is part of what I like. But I also love to go out and do speaking engagements. I'm excited about coming to CHA, even virtually, because I like to hear, you know, those frontline stories, that grassroots person who's out there who's saying, here's what my issues are. And it really helps me to think through how our organization prioritizes the strategies and the actions that we do because we want to get the biggest bang for our buck. So wherever we have the largest amount of pain is where we want to focus our attention. Julie, you're I the agree. right person for this job. You really are. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, thank you. It's a, it's a lot of fun. And I'm so, I'm so really blessed. I've got uh, some great staff members and uh, just to sort of uh, put a bow around that, Christy, you know, you can find us at um, horsecouncil.org. That's our website, or you can write to us. Um, it's our first initial, so J Broadway at horsecouncil.org is my email. Reach out to me there. Um, and we do lots of webinars and our conference is coming up in October. And I want to encourage all of your members to join us. The first is three days. The first two days are free. Anybody can join, listen to all those interesting conversations about things that are going on in the industry. And then day three, we have a whole host of guest speakers, and it's going to be really fascinating. I've got some great folks lined up to speak. Well, thank you, Julie, so much for being on today and for giving us some highlights of different things that are going on right now there in D.C. And I'll tell you, lady, good luck with the presidential election and living there on the front lines. I am impressed. (laughs) And I'm sure there'll be more stories to tell before uh, November 3rd rolls around. Well, I will say this. If you weren't aware, Christy's probably aware, but Glenn, our office is at 1616 H Street. That means we are literally two blocks from the White House. And we are one block from Black Lives Matter Plaza. So even though we've been working remotely because of the pandemic, once the social and civil unrest started and the whole protesting things, we couldn't even get to our office because the Secret Service had blockaded all that area. It's still blockaded, isn't it? That far out? It's still blockaded in some places, yeah. 
I was down there yesterday for a couple of hours, and the protesters are still marching up and down the street and using bullhorns and um, broadcasting their messages. So it's a little crazy in downtown right, well, D.C., and I think it's going to get worse before November I was just going to say, <laughs> and then Election Day, you do not want to be in that city that night, because no matter no. what happens, we got 50% that aren't happy. So... Uh, <laughs> You know, that's, I wouldn't want to, to be honest, I don't want to be in any city on election night this year because 50% are not happy. So it's, it's going to be interesting. I'm going to be really curious, Glenn, to see if we actually get election results like we have been accustomed to. I don't think that's going to happen this time. (laughs) Well, I think we might if it's a landslide, you know, if it's one way or the other. If it's close, it'll be two months. But if if it's really weighted one way or another, then then we will. But otherwise, you're right. It'll just drag us through this (laughs) for more time. It's been Mm -hmm. a year. It's been a year. So, Julie, thank you yeah, so I, much for, for being on and for always coming on when we ask and for being part of the Horse Radio Network for, for all these years. We really appreciate it. Happy to help, and I look forward, Christy. I'll see you virtually soon. That sounds good. <laughs> Thanks, Julie, very much. Thanks. Uh-huh. Have a good day. All right. Bye. Bye. You know what I need to do? I need to get her a special mask that has our logo, the Horse Radio Network logo, but underneath it says Fearless Leader. So, Ooh, I like, like that. that, you know, something like that, the big boss or, you know, something uh, like that. Yeah, you need something because yours has to be different than the rest. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. No, we, but we, I need to get one for Julie too that has different, you know. Uh, so I'll have to think about that. Yeah, you'll have to think about it. She'll, she'll get a kick out of it. And that girl will wear it. She will wear I it know. with pride. And she <laughs> speaks so much and does so much. She's out and about so much. And she's in the throes of it all there in D.C. Oh, my god! I gosh. didn't realize her office was that close to all of that. Yeah, everything. it's crazy. So when we go, we normally have conference there in June. And we go and we call. We go walking around. And we just walk around the Capitol, walk around the White House every morning before we have to sit in meetings all day. And it's, it's pretty awesome to go to that meeting. It really is. Wow. Well, uh, everybody, tomorrow... All of you listeners, it's our 2500th episode, and we would love for you to call in. We will have the phones open. The uh, phone numbers are on our, our Facebook pages and also on the Horses in the Morning website. You'll find it there as well, but on our Facebook pages too. And we're going to have the phones open from 10 to 1130. We're going to take every call we can. Jamie and I will be here, and I know, Christy, you're going to be calling in, and we have a lot of other people are going to be calling in. We had 30 voicemails we're going to play. So tomorrow, our celebration is all about you. You're the ones that have made this happen all these years. Without you guys, we wouldn't be here. Without, without you guys, our sponsors wouldn't sponsor, right, and wouldn't be happy. So it, it all comes back to you in the end. So we really appreciate that, and we're hoping to catch up with some of you tomorrow. So feel free to give us a call from 10 to 1130 Eastern Time tomorrow. Phone number will be on the Facebook and the website. It'll be great. It's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. And then I get vacation, so I'm really looking forward to it. That's right. That's yes. good, too, right? Yeah, then you get a little right. rest afterwards. That's right. I'm, I'm excited about that as well. So I win-win all around. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, thank you, Christy. Once again, where can people find the website? Yes, go to CHA.horse, and you can see all the different tabs to find our certifications. If you want to get certified, you can click Find an Equine Professional if you're looking for a riding instructor or a barn to board your horse or a trail ride operation or anything else. It's all there, so please visit soon. And I would rather be here than your son doing physics for three hours. That's so Oh, my goodness. Bless <laughs> both of their hearts. Can you imagine any of that? Oh, they are How, Having physics in the morning and then government in the afternoon has to be two of the worst classes in one day. Yeah, and they've got to do that for four weeks. 
that's all they get for four weeks. Oh, they're just doing two classes. classes. That's it. Well, that's probably smarter than trying to do five different classes in a day. That would have been a technological nightmare, right? So Yeah, I think that's why they did it this way. And then they also have then that class kind of done for a little while. And then they're going to focus right on others. And so they're kind of making it like a college intensive. Like if you took a college class that was really intense, it would be that same kind of thing. So maybe they're preparing them for the future, right? I'm trying to think positive, Glenn. (laughs) I, I, I was a math guy. And, you know, I also had a somewhat photographic memory for numbers back then. So I, I, but physics was beyond. <laughs> I still couldn't do physics. Uh, I don't know if I'm too literal or what, but uh, we'll leave that to well, Sheldon Cooper. Imagine of the doing world. labs online. I, I don't quite know how that's going to work. So I'm going to keep well, peeking over there. If you see smoke coming out of the kitchen, you'll know. I'm very <laughs> curious too. If you see smoke coming out of the bedroom, you'll know that it's not going. It's not going <laughs> I've well. I've got a fire extinguisher yeah. on hand. <laughs> see you, everybody.